helping CEOs and business leaders discover the energy to perform exceptional brilliance and positively impact the lives of those around them. Be inspired by world leaders and next level gurus. This is the Active CEO Podcast, where the ordinary don't belong. And now your hosts, Craig Johns and Ben Gathercole. It's Christmas time already, Ben, and it's been a fantastic year. So this Active CEO podcast, we're going to do a bit of a wrap on the, the amazing people we've met, the, the incredible stories we've been able to share, and I suppose for us, a, bit, a big learning curve, and just been able to reach, we've now reached over 80 countries, Ben. It's pretty amazing. It's unbelievable, and the, the way that our people want to give in terms of their time, their energy, and their story continues to amaze me each person. And I must say, Craig, that you're the, the founder of this and, and the early concepts you, know, you brought to the table and you've been able to get this up off its feet, so to speak, and really make it into something that I know that you're very proud of, but I'm really proud to be involved. And it's been a real fantastic six months getting involved with this. So well done, mate. Well, Congratulations thanks. to you. Yeah, thanks, Ben. I mean, it always takes a team to build things together. So it's been great. And, you know, we've all been able to to laugh, cry, be, be astonished and surprised and, and share kindness and humility with such amazing people. Mm. And it's it's all, it's not just possible by yourself. And it's, you know, it takes that team and, and to all the people that have in our network that have been able to introduce us to different people that we've met. And it, it's kind of like the gift that keeps giving. So we're hoping you continue to enjoy it in the, in the new year. We know we're gonna have some, some great guests on there. Um, we've got people that have don't let it out of the bag. Oh, okay, steady, we, won't go there. we won't go there. <laughs> All right, so we, we kicked off the year with Ben and uh, with, with both of us, and we talked about what Active CEO was about, our background, our background, and you know what the podcast was going to be, and I suppose some things around our leadership and cultures as well. So it was it was kind of a fun way just to get into it, get used to it, so you understood what Active CEO is about, and you know for you Ben, that Active CEO aspect must be starting to evolve a bit more now as well. Yeah, look, I reckon that what I'd like to say, Craig, is that it's a learning for us also, and that's probably the most important thing. So to have an open mindset that you're continuing to learn and learning from other people, other experiences, other conversations, other books, movies that you see, people that you meet is probably the biggest, the key takeaway that I've learned from speaking with all these people, the open mindset about learning. And so this project for us has enabled us to have a bigger um, access to open mindset. Yeah, I think it's really important in business and as a leader or a CEO, whatever industry you're working in, is the ability to go and learn off someone else to be able to share your ideas. Don't, don't hold them back because yeah. the more you share, the more you'll get back. And you know, we talked about that quite a bit in there. The more you give, the more you get. Mm. And it's, we're starting to see partnerships evolve. You know, we've had people that we're talking with, uh, sorry, that we've spoken to on the podcast that wanna collaborate in certain areas and wanna help and, and build on bigger and better ideas that can help support not only business, but the world as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to harp on that open mind type um, theme, I think uh, people as they've, they've been interviewed really start to understand um, the importance of that and recognize that they might not have labeled it before, but they actually have that and they're keen to actually propagate that a little bit more within their organizations and their business. So 
through our podcast and talking to people and that open mindset and learning type ideal, I think that has worked really well for the people that we've interviewed also. So Ben, how's your active CEO lifestyle been over the last six months to a year? Um, Well, that's a good question. Uh, I've tried to practice what we preach. Um, I've tried to have a good routine. Uh, I've tried to engage friends, family uh, in being active and really um, learning along my journey. Uh, So I hope that I've gone okay with it and I always recognize the fact that it's a work in progress. So what do you do for exercise? Yeah, so I'm, I'm quite keen on riding my bike and I'm quite keen on walking the dog. And I'm quite keen on just participating in um, fitness activities with my friends and colleagues. And from a mental point of view, do you, do you take a break each day to recharge the batteries, so to speak? Yeah, very much so. So I, I um, on a weekly basis, practice yoga. Um, and through yoga, I've been practicing a little bit more meditation. Uh, so that, for me, works really well. But I understand that that's not something that works for everybody. Yeah, it's cool. And you get to work with a group of people as well. So it's... Uh, a lot of the times you're out there, you're exercising, you're motivating, inspiring, you're, you're supporting people in their own fitness and health and wellness endeavors. Yeah, absolutely. Craig, can I ask you what you do to participate or be an active CEO? How do you go about your... Yeah, so sometimes for me, it's about controlling how much I do. I've been such an active person since a very young age. Um, any spare minute, I want to keep moving. Um, it, it's how I've always been. It's how I am most effective in the way I live. Uh, so I tend to still get out, uh, cycle two to three days a week. Generally, it's on the mountain bike. I, I love being on the trails, that freedom that you have. There's also that little bit of edge to it, that being comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I like to swim two to three days a week. I find that's my real active meditation, which is something we spoke about in a couple of the podcasts and people um, it's rated to, towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will go to the gym two, two days a week, and I've been doing that since... I broke my finger back in May, so it's and I found that amazing. Uh, I kind of always pushed off the gym. I used it a bit when I was racing when I was younger, but I always found it wasn't that enjoyable. But now I've found the fun in it, and I'm also finding how beneficial that it is. Say if I'm doing an event, we've got to move stuff. I feel amazing the next day yeah. before I would feel a wreck. So, so talk me through that ideal of I found the fun. You know, how did how did you find the fun? Um, I'm a real goal-orientated, technique-driven type person. So I just, I I mix it up. Like I try and use a lot of variety in the gym. I I do a progression on certain exercises and then I'll adapt them or change them um, after a certain amount of time just to make sure I stay fresh every time I go in there. And I suppose just being able to feel the gains afterwards is over a longer period of time than say just being at the gym for a couple of weeks and then forgetting about it. So I'm just really starting to feel that sense. And I think also too, for me, I go to a gym where most 80% of the people that are there are probably retired. And we've even got one of our, we've got our oldest triathlon member at 92 years old also goes there, who's just a real inspiration. And I love it because I just feel alive and I feel so youthful being around people that are retired, but that are still acting and feeling youthful and, uh, and see the importance of staying fit and healthy long-term. They know they want to lead a good life once they've retired. They don't, they don't want to die over a long period of time. They want to live a long life. And you know when their time is up, they, it's, it's relatively quick rather than being sick and, hmm. and struggling for so long. So that's really important. 
you know, the other aspect to my active side of things is I play golf. Um, it's my competitive aspect. I love it. Um, it's my time where I'm fully away from any, any electronics and I absolutely love that. And it's a chance to just talk about, talk with people about other, their lives and what's happening in work and their dreams and we have a bit of banter and we have a real good time there. Yeah, but so it's a fantastic way to break away from that daily grind of the office. And I know that you're very competitive and you've recognised that it's a, a great outlet for that too. Oh, that's so important. I, I found after I finished being a triathlete and, and an endurance athlete that I transferred that into the business and it's good in certain aspects, but I found after a while it was actually counterproductive. And that's where I had to find what's that competitive side again. And that's where golf came in and I've, I found my true calling, I suppose. So you need to now bore us with some of the golf stories. How good are you? <laughs> and I'll let the listener know he's actually very good. Uh, so I've done all right. Look, you know, it's, I find it quite a natural sport for me. Um, I love the tactics involved, really playing match play. And match play is my strong point. I think I've... Um, still have a win rate of over 80%, which is fairly high. And I just love that one-on-one, -on -one, every single shot going against each other. Um, you know, single figure handicap golfer and um, haven't had a hole in one yet, although I did manage to put the ball in the hole and it bounced out on the weekend. So we're, we're getting closer. <laughs> and tell me, where would you like to take your golf? Um, I would love to be a scratch handicapper. So get down to a zero handicap. Um, and, you know, look, I... Time is probably against me to ever go pro in that area. Um, and I have a lot of you know, other goals in life. You know, my, the work I do with triathlon, I, I really enjoy that and being, you know, an, an, a leader and, you know, in that space and working with a lot of people. And, and I get a lot out of seeing people achieving goals for the first time and, and, you know, maybe they've lost weight or they've had something happen in life and they're using triathlon or endurance sport to get themselves back up and going. And then also the work with Energy to Perform and the Active CEO podcast and, and the work that we're doing there to build out the programs, which we'll talk a little bit later in the show. Yep. Now, I want from you back to a golf question. I want you to give me the three courses you would love to play at before you die. Three courses I'd love to play at before I die. So St. Andrews has got to be one of them. It's a, it's a very tough course, but it's got so much history behind it and it's the spiritual home of golf. I'll give you that one, fair. I think being able to get onto the Augusta because it is invite only and extremely hard to get onto and it looks like a very beautiful golf course. So, so that would be my number two. So that's one for our listeners out there. Anyone that can get Craig an invite onto Augusta, give him a call. <laughs> the one in Australia where I'm currently living, can I go four? Because I'll, I'll go you, one in Australia. I'll go one in Australia. You can I'll get go one for. for New Zealand as well because I haven't done it. As soon as you're the founder of the podcast, I'll give you an extra one. <laughs> so Barn Boogle is, is a great course um, that everyone raves about. So that's one course in where, Australia. Where's that? Barn Google. I don't even know that. That's down in, uh, towards Tasmania. So I've got one of my mates uh, playing there right. next week. So he'll give me a good so review of that. Our listeners can probably tell I'm not a golfing fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a motorsport fanatic. So Craig's give me the courses here. And then I, I think New Zealand. New Zealand is just graced with so many great golf courses. Uh, where I grew up, there's 100,000 people and there are 19 golf courses. It is incredible. They're just everywhere and they're green and they're generally well looked after. Um, there's a couple of courses there like Jack's Point, etc., which are down in, in that 
beautiful Queenstown, Wanaka part of the world where um, there's so many great courses down there that yeah. I'd love to give a crack, but I, I love any challenge. It's, they're all fun. I think anything down that area of the world is pretty nice, whether it's a golf course or a pub or... You know, skiing. Skiing, yep, any of those things. Definitely. You know, this, this year on the podcast, we've reached, you know, we said over 80 countries, but our guests as well have been anywhere from Switzerland to Nigeria to Myanmar, Italy, uh, Malaysia, Saudi Arabia, Great Britain. That diversity in perspectives and a diversity in culture and upbringing gives such a, a balanced view on the world and how, makes you think a little bit more outside the way you normally live and the way you lead. But you know what? At the end of the day, we're all the same. No matter what your culture is or where you happen to be or what your race happens to be, our conversations are all quite similar with people. It strikes me there's a very common thread, very common purpose that keeps us together as a human race. And that's probably one thing I've learned from it. So we'd like to share some of the defining moments of the Actors CEO podcast um, over the last 18 episodes. And there's been some absolute pearls and some gems of insights and, and things that can help every person. Well, like a lifetime of experience uh, in these. It's just amazing what people have shared with us. Yeah, so let's, let's kick off one of the first ones. So Anne Gripper in episode three, she spoke about the six C's that define her leadership. Yeah, absolutely. So she spoke about uh, communication, uh, connecting, uh, care, being curious, courageous, and calm, the six C's of her leadership. I think there was a seventh one there, coffee too. So coffee. <laughs> we'll let you listen in now, enjoy. I think for a couple of years, I've been thinking about um, some similarities in what I've been able to do in more recent leadership roles. And it comes down to, for me, it comes down to six words starting with C. Now, three of them are doing words and three of them are being words. That's so how you are. So the um, the doing words or the verbs are you, you communicate I communicate and I communicate the big picture about what we're trying to achieve and I often communicate in stories um, I connect so connecting is such an important part of leadership it's connecting people with themselves staff with themselves and also people with their communities um, and I really care I care about people and I care about how what their experience is in whatever it is that we're doing and then the three sort of being words are i think being curious being courageous and and ultimately being calm some great insights there from Anne. we spoke to renee sontag uh, from peterborough washington national and it just shone through so brightly around people are our greatest assets and the importance of hiring humble people yeah absolutely he was very big on that um, and you could tell that he was a very humble man. And I like the story that he was, um, he would go out each morning and coach tennis um, with a client every day just to sort of, it just grounded him, so to speak. Yeah, even though he had a busy lifestyle mm. as a CEO. So we're going to listen and now take a little, a, a quick bite of Renee at his best talking about people are our greatest assets. That's a really one simple thing is, is people. Um, I think the, the, the difference with many companies and why I enjoy PBI so much is that it's a purpose-driven company and it's focused around its professionals. Um, our goal is really to make great people 
to make great professionals. And I think that focus is very different than what we see a lot in industry nowadays is focusing on the bottom line, focusing on the profitability, focusing on the financial aspects of the, the industry rather than really about the people. And I think that's the only sustainable thing. But then if you think about it, it's a real good concept, what Peter has fought through. I mean, focusing on people makes people loyal to you, gives people trust. When they are loyal to you, they will also produce for you. So the concept makes also absolute sense, business sense. But I think it's more important is that, and I quote here, someone else, but the purpose of a great company is to make great people. And I think that's really what I felt is PBI all about, and that's something that especially Peter, Peter Burwas has always tried to, 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 to work towards. You can really feel the passion in Renee's voice. Susie Hoytink spoke about the enemy of a great life is a good one and that importance of being able to step outside and challenge yourself and continuously take it to a new level. Yeah, absolutely. And boy, haven't they done that. What an amazing success story. And certainly one, once again, a humble, proud uh, teamwork. And uh, Susie um, is, a, is a great ambassador for that. Oh, super ambassador. And she, she's one of those people that loves bringing the community together, loves getting her team involved. And she spoke about how leading an active and healthy lifestyle by example has a, a positive impact on her staff. Hmm. She talked about those, um, just the little things like better food quality choices in the fridge at work, um, just a little bit of activity pre and post work, competing together, things like that. It's really, it's good to see. So let's hear how as an inspirational leader, she shares the achievements and most importantly, the journey with her staff. First of all, um, being an inspirational leader, it's really important totally that you mm. are out there. You're the one who's you're talking about it at work, um, sharing sharing achievements, but also sharing the journey. I think it's very very important that they can see that you're active um, in um, outside of the workplace and so Walk, sharing that experience, walk, so to speak. walking the walk yeah. is really important. And then just also that um, we have a relatively small team; we're about seventy now, sixty-five to seventy staff. Um, but over the years, that's grown organically. So because of that, I've been able to really get to know the people who have worked for us. So um, as much as possible, being aware of their lives and what they've got going on and encouraging as well. Uh, but it's always really great when I can get them involved in anything to do with charity that involves being physical. And you see their confidence and their self-esteem build with inside um, you know, in their working environment? Oh, look, the, the correlation is, is so obvious. And what works for me works for them as well. When they're physical, when they're strong, when they feel good about themselves, it absolutely transcends into work. Susie just has an amazing outlook on life. So our next podcast was Indiran Pariachi, and he's the founder and director of Rent Court Forklifts. And he gave us some great insights into his life in, in both motorsport and in business and that for him only winning matters and but in saying that it came across it he didn't had that really, aspect but he also had that real team approach and importance of looking after his people yeah. and i think that allowing people to make stakes was, was such a great point he it made. was fantastic and on one hand he did say winning is the only thing that matters to him but then when you actually delved into it a little bit and he talked about letting his good staff make mistakes and the way that he thought about bringing people into his operation 
clearly showed that he was actually a, a very deeply caring person and a very thoughtful person. It's a very um, you know, collaborative and empowering type environment. environment. And yeah, I think he, when you said, you know, if someone needs a solution, they must present three options. And I think that's fantastic. So if, if the team doesn't agree on this one, what other options are there? Or what other ways could be feasible? And I also recall that he didn't want people just coming in and just pulling something out of the air. Like he wanted, if he didn't have an idea that day, that was fine. You just needed to say, I don't have an idea today. So let's listen into Enderin speaking around bringing options to the table. We allow them to make mistakes. You know, we allow, we can, we can see we can see the mistake a mile a mile away. So uh, we arrest it if it needs to be arrested, and but we allow people to make the mistakes. And by making by making the mistake, they they do learn and they you know it's it, they'll never make that mistake again. And uh, uh, also we have we have a, a, a thing called uh, we have a discussion forum at work. If someone has an issue and they need to find find a solution to it you have to come back we you have to come with three three solutions three options so we look at we look at the, we look at the three options and we decide okay that one and they could be all three could be all three could be uh, all, all three could work one could be really good one could be mediocre one you know, average and we and if, if we have a look at the solutions we sort of like go pick one and pick one and and run with it so a lot of times I ask you know uh, you know, are you are you going to give a give any? Are you going to supply a supply? I said no. We're not going to give you a solution. Pick one and run with it. I said, and we tell them if the three options that you put in there, if, if one of them was you know was totally out of the ballpark and it's, and it's or all three didn't going to work, yep, we'll we'll give you we'll give you our, our opinion our option. But we allow them to take that op, that option or op, uh, they, whatever option they've got and run with it completely. Finish the project and we tell them like, what then? The last, what's your option? We'll say like, this is this is what. We will, this is how we would do it. Uh, and he loves his Porsches and uh, he's got some great insights there and in how he works with his team. Our next episode was with Trina Gordon from, she's the CEO of Boyd and World Corporation. It is the seventh ranked search executive firm in the world. So they're dealing with you know the top um, businesses, top 50, Fortune 500 companies. And she spoke a lot around uh, how, how we can improve the way that we recruit and ways that we can um, select the right people for the roles. And I think one of the, the fascinating aspects for me, Ben, was around talking about being the lone woman in the room um, when she first started out in search executive sides and having to be incredibly well prepared. Yeah, so she's certainly a pioneer of the industry um, and the way that she described it, um, having to be so prepared was something that um, was her mechanism for coping and dealing with it. So it's listening into how Trina coped with her situation as being the only female in a male-dominated search executive industry. Honestly, Craig, I think I would would have to say that um, it was probably being um, the lone woman in the room in in those early <laughs> days. Um, so from that standpoint, I learned very quickly that if I were going to be credible um, in a client dialogue, I needed to be incredibly well prepared. Um, to listen and and ask appropriate questions at the right times. That's and I found out that that was a very much a learning exercise because you have to um, resist the urge to spit out all of the knowledge that you've um, you've you've tried to to cram into your mind uh, prior to a client meeting and really be able to um, 
earn the client's trust over time by demonstrating an understanding of their business. Um, I, I migrated from financial services into the consumer sector um, in the firms I've been with, most, notable, most notably here at Boyden. And it, you know, it takes all kinds of different approaches. Um, it's not just reading documents, it's you know, being able to tour a factory or seeing a client's products or services being used in the marketplace or sold in multi-retail channels. So um, th that I think is, is sort of a, a, a sort of a very deep impression that was left on me um, that preparedness was key. Trina Gordon with some great insights there and in, in the way she, she's had to cope in a very male dominated industry. And by the way, she loves riding a Harley Davidson. Mike Denoma, one of the most worldly traveled uh, speak, uh, people that we've spoken to so far. He's worked for five billionaires. He started out in the Amazon rainforest um, with some extraordinary stories to share with us. He now works at KBZ Bank in Myanmar and he, it seems like a lot of the places he's worked at, he's, he just loves to work with lots of people, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. But you know, I, I guess really what he was alluding to, it's still the quality of the person and he really enjoys working on, sure, the macro level, um, but really delving down and getting to know his people and helping them. So let's take a, let's get an insight into the way Mike thinks and what really drives him in the world of leading people. So generally, I'm attracted by the challenge. Um, if it's a if it's a if the place has a good heart and it's it's a good company, and it needs to be it needs to take the hill. I I, I like mobilizing thousands of people to take the hill together, um, and I like doing that. And I'm, I you know I, I wish I could say I work I've developed it, but I was born with some of the skills that that allow you to do that. I also I got the ability to really envision a future that's dramatically different than the present. And um, I also have the ability to design, you know, successful alternative paths, quite detailed ones to, to get there. Um, and I have the skill and ability to motivate, you know, whole bunches of people to go from, you know, average to excellent. So, and I like doing it. So I like transformation. I like, like vertical learning curves. I like big challenges. Um, and I like challenges that require, you know, getting 10,000 people to take one step to the left together and create an earthquake. Oh, we felt extremely energized listening to Mike Denoma and, and his wonderful stories. We had to split it into two parts. It was that, that good. It was amazing, wasn't it? Let's hope he came back from that run. Still feeling okay. Um, Indeedy Nolly and Dozian. Uh, this was an incredibly challenging podcast to set up, Ben. We tried multiple times. Mm. Um, internet connection suffered on us. Uh, it took us two days to complete it, and uh, unfortunately, you missed out. I, I did, but um, I can only um, give Indeedy the credit for persevering, um, and she continued to make suggestions about how we could get on so we could actually uh, speak and, and hear her story, which was it still astounds me. That's incredible, right? You know, like in Africa, in Nigeria, and what she's been able to achieve with those social entrepreneurship programs is just amazing it blows my mind that she can get hundreds of thousands of people into jobs and being creative and very entrepreneurial and to think that they have a 98 percent repayment on the loans they give out it, it's got to be better than anywhere else in the world and here we are we get these messages and email around 
Nigeria. All right, you give us your account details and we'll give you $15 million type thing. Yeah. So Maybe uh, Mike Denoma would like to uh, speak to her about the methodologies of the banking and the repaying <laughs> of the loans a little. Definitely. And there's so many great aspects we could cover with Indeedy, but we're going to look a little bit around embracing failure and what happens when you don't deal with it. You've actually got to embrace failure there. But I mean, there's so many stories um, about successful people who I think the biggest thing is how you deal with failure. If you allow failure to shake you down so badly that you're unable to learn from it, you cannot grow because you will live your life looking backwards. And you will live your life with regret. In German, there's a there's a phrase that says, "Die Reue ist ein hinkender Bote. Er kommt langsam, aber gewiss." So, if you live your life with regrets, it may be slow to catch up, but it definitely will, and it will singularly hamper and and hamstring you. You've got to be able to embrace your failures, learn from them, and move forward. And the the concept of vulnerability, I suppose that's a bit like um, magic happens outside of the comfort zone. Everything that ever um, becomes something great happens when you're you're not comfortable, when you you're you're not sure that there's a part of you. If you're comfortable, we had a masterclass, one of the Rising Tide masterclasses, and we had the head of venture capital for the IFC. Um, lead that masterclass. And the most fascinating thing that he said was, I never make an investment when I'm 100% comfortable. I only invest when I feel outside of my comfort zone, when I'm uncertain, when I'm vulnerable, then I know I'm on the right path. Oh, indeed. Just, just inspiring. I just love listening to her. She's got some great insights there and just a phenomenal leader that uh, everyone should take notice of. Tim Kosolich, Italian-born, Sorry, Tim Kosolich, born out of an Italian family, uh, raised in, in New York and Genoa, and, and now he's based in Singapore. Um, the Fratelli Kosolich shipping family, and he, he's a fantastic athlete in his own right, and he, he's just such a great persona and a great leader. One of the aspects that we enjoyed the most was talking about the family business and how that worked. So it was eight generations? I believe, from memory. Yeah, yeah, 161 years. Yeah, just crazy, crazy amount of time. Um, but really, it was um, based upon the fact that uh, you were pushed out of the nest and had to sort of find your own business acumen and, and experience uh, before you came back and applied to the family business and you were interviewed to be part of the family. Yeah, uh, it wasn't a rite of passage. No. Just because you were part of the family that you would end up in a role. And, you know, it sounds like, you know, he's a very young CEO that he was able to go out and ground himself fantastically and prove that he had the right aspects and the right characteristics to lead the company in the future. So let's take a listen into how the family business works. And, uh, and, and the passion is important because um, it really uh, relates to why people uh, join our business. And uh, as a family member, I was not only I was never... Uh, forced to join the business, but I was always told by my father that if I wanted to join the business at some point, that I they, they would uh, happily consider it, but that I would never uh, become a multi-billionaire or have a Ferrari or, or a private yacht. Um, and that if money was the main driver, then probably I would have made more money somewhere else. And, and that is important because 
it allows us as a company to select those who want to join uh, only uh, or mainly because they're passionate about the business, they're passionate about being entrepreneurs, uh, they're passionate about the uh, integrity uh, that we have as a, as a group. So integrity probably is, is the other word that comes to mind. Tim, the family man, you know, just an amazing insight there into way a family business work and, and the, the intricacies involved in it. So now we talk with Kate Palmer. Kate Palmer is the CEO of Sport Australia. She overlooks sport as a whole industry across Australia. And, you know, has only been in that role sort of just under two years and gave us some great insights into how they're changing their model and the way they're funding different sports and also getting people moving and active in the space. But one of the, the fun parts for you, Ben, was what? Oh, well, I was talking about the corporate handbag and uh, her husband, Hugh, um, how he actually managed the functions and the events and the guest lists and how he would word Kate up on the things they needed to do in terms of a social environment uh, within the work context. All right, so let's listen into how the importance of having a supportive partner. Probably my partner, um, Hugh is, you know, he, I used to always call it the Hugh Palmer Scholarship because I went back to university as a mature age student and he funded that and, um, but he's a, he's a great support. In actual fact, he calls himself, um, uh, you know, the, the corporate handbag. Uh, <laughs> but I tell you what, he at functions, he's great because he, you know, I, I live in a man's world most of the time and he, uh, he's allocated, he gets, a, he gets the guest list and, the, and he looks after um, guests as well. And he's been a great supporter of mine and um, yeah, we have a great life. So it's so important to have that supportive network as Kate Palmer does with her, her brilliant partner as the corporate handbag. Christine, a young entrepreneur from Melbourne uh, with Choice Energy, and we talked about some great, it was a great conversation. We, we spoke about having power stations on your roof, um, about if you don't invest in yourself, does it make you a bad investment? And he, and he talked about the importance of building his team in that aspect, and it was, it was pretty insightful. One of the aspects that we found really insightful and a great learning opportunity was around the fact that they didn't ever get a loan from the bank. It was their money from day one. Yep, yep, absolutely. It makes you, it makes you um, hungry, makes you sharp. Um, and one of the stories that I really enjoyed that he told was uh, when they first started out and every fortnight really questioning could they pay the wages this week and how were we going to scrape together the money to do that. So when you start like that, you can guarantee that you're looking at the details as you go. Okay, let's listen into Chris's hunger and fire in the belly as an entrepreneur. Money's always tough when you're setting up a business. So uh, my business partner and I, uh, Choice Energy's got eight figure turnover. Uh, we haven't borrowed any money. Um, we owe no money to a bank or anything like that. But setting up a business with you know, uh, wages at the moment, a quarter of a million dollars a month, we need to make sure that there's 250 grand there to pay everyone's salaries. And um, as we grew, it takes a while to get paid. Uh, we grew 400% year one, around 250% year two. Um, so not bringing on an investor was a tough decision. Um, probably had a dozen meetings about whether to do it or not. Um, and now that we're in a, a good place, we're glad that we've got control of the company. Um, but yeah, that was a, a tough decision. We probably would have been a bit of a, a nicer business to work for in year one and year two if we brought on money. Um, you can be a little bit... Uh, 
in terms of your decision making, uh, we had to make a lot of our decisions based on the next 90 days. Uh, we're now we're fortunate enough to be in a position where we can look to, to five or 10 years ahead and try and build a better business for the future rather than try and make payroll. Uh, there were months a couple of years ago where we had uh, 100 grand payroll going out on a Wednesday and 90 grand in the bank on the Tuesday. Um, so, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, They're scary decisions. Big, yep. big decisions, yep. Uh, business partner and I are similar ages, uh, both had young families and wives at the time that weren't working um, and we're trying to worry about being role models at home and good husbands and fathers, uh, being good role models at work, uh, being good company directors, uh, and making sure we get that extra 10 grand to pay everyone's wages the next day, whilst somehow being motivational and uh, showing that you're pretty cool on the outside. It's a great lesson from Chris around, you don't actually need to borrow money to, to develop a business. It, it's extremely challenging and you've got to be able to deal with the day-to-day -day challenges of, do you have enough money in the bank? We now went on to Jarman Heppel and Jen Zeigner, and they are from Mountains and Marathons. And now they started their own business, which is pretty special, and that is they've taken a leadership program that ends in climbing a mountain or running a marathon all around the world. You know, so St. Moritz, Mont Blanc, um, they're in Patagonia. Yeah. I just liked it because they seemed to choose these iconic locations and, oh, we'll set our business up there. Why not? It was, it was amazing, really. Yeah, there were nomads, right? They were just moving around the world. They had a virtual office uh, and they just kept moving to from place to place. So pretty cool. So we're going to talk a little bit there. They spoke about the core cool values of being courage, adventure, integrity and contribution. So we'd like to, you know, to listen in here to one of their transformational stories. Another is a woman who was in a job she thought she, thought she loved. Um, and, and, and it kind of gave her a lot of great sort of social recognition and social status. Uh, and something that she loved to kind of like talk about in a public uh, environment. But when she really sat with herself and asked the question like, is this what I really want to be doing? Mm. Um, with a lot of initial resistance, she eventually got to the point about halfway through the program and said, you know what, this just isn't a values alignment for me and this isn't what I want to be doing anymore. And so she went through a, a journey of uh, recognizing, okay, if that's not what I want to do, what do I want to do? And then, you know, made the move to then hand in the letter of resignation and then step into the, by the end of the program, um, have, have, was planning the next chapter of her life and what that was going to look like. So Ben, I feel pretty motivated to go climb a mountain now. Don't know about running the marathon. Yeah, I don't think well. my body will hold up too much anymore on that one. Michael Seawoods, uh, CEO of Skybus. Well, let's make that co-CEO with Adam. Um, a great story and very rarely do we talk about co-CEOs. Yeah, absolutely. It was certainly all our first experience and it certainly works very well for them. Um, but some fantastic stories about how they learnt their business um, and how the process they went. So I know Michael stood on the, on the corner of the um, ticketing station and actually did the ticketing for each bus ride. And Adam driving the bus. Driving so the bus. Let's listen into how they understand and ensure that they continue to develop their business. Yeah, it's the only way. Um, I certainly, Adam drives a bus far more than I stand on the curb, um, but he, and he does it a lot. Um, it, it is incredible. And he will, uh, I literally got a text from half an hour ago saying bus 112, air conditioning is too cold. Um, what's going on? And, and he knows that because he just drove the bus, right? Yeah. But um, 
certainly from my point of view, when you're at the curb and you're scanning a ticket, the first thing I, I get very quickly is the types of passengers and the feelings of passengers and the stress of passengers. So a lot of the time as you head into the airport, it's an anxious time. You think you're gonna miss your plane sometimes or the plane's running late or whatever. Um, and you don't, you know, people can tell you about that, but until you're at the curb and you've got 100 people staring at you saying, where is that bus? Um, and you, you, first of all, the first thing you understand is, what well, I understand is, is that the people who are doing that job every day, not just me turning up and, you know, playing, you know, doing the CAO thing, um, is that that's a really hard job. And they are having to manage the people at the curb, they're managing their expectations, and also the bus turning up and communicating. So suddenly you've got real empathy because you've done the role and you've seen it and you've worked in that environment. But then secondly, you're also taking the passenger side and you're understanding what the passenger's expectations are. So it's, you know, it's easy, it's free for me just to turn up on the curb and Adam to drive a bus, so why not do it? So next time you're leading, think about standing on the corner and being right there at the coalface and understanding what's happening from both a staff point of view and a client point of view as well. So practical. Lisa Pavlakos, uh, been probably one of my most uh, enjoyable conversations, challenging conversations, very, very emotional. We nearly lost the audio and, and, and were able to save it um, as one of the files are corrupted. So the quality, probably not the best from an audio point of view, but the content just absolutely phenomenal. And I still have shivers running down my spine just thinking about this and talking about this. This lady has had hardship like you'd never believe. And it, it wasn't just once, it was multiple times. And to go through the heartache and the challenges and the frustrations and the humiliation that she's been through from physical and sexual abuse through to being human trafficked um, and being able to come out of that and have some amazing entrepreneurial stories and, and very successful businesses. The perseverance is, is astounding. Oh. What can you say really? It, Just words don't come easily for this one. No, it doesn't. And you know, for me, she's been able to find a way to overcome and to continue on and find the positive aspects out of it. So let's listen into Lisa as she explains how she continues to thrive and how she has coped with so many um, setbacks setbacks, and, and really challenging situations. I think it, it, it really means to be the best version of yourself that you can be. I think life throws so many challenges in our way, it doesn't matter who we are, what road of life that we're going through, uh, walking through, we all have adversities and it's how we choose to handle those adversities that define us. And so I think that we need to be as exceptional as we can be in the way we think about the situations that befall us. Firstly, don't be ashamed of the life that they've lived. Uh, don't feel like they need to hide behind anything, be proud to talk about your adversities, be proud to wear those adversities on your sleeves, not to ask for pity because I do believe pity is poison, but I don't think people um, should feel ashamed to talk about the adversities that I've gone through because if only people realize that the adversities is the very thing that makes them beautiful, that makes them unique, that makes them resilient, that makes them strong. Um, and how they've overcome these adversities. The more people talk about challenges that they face, uh, the more we can actually help each other to grow. 
to say, you know what, you're not alone because I understand your pain because I've been through this just like you've been through that. Or Wow. Uh, as you say, it, it's words cannot fully describe what Lisa's been through and just amazing, just that heartfelt sense of being able to carry on with life and drive forward and make a difference to other people. Patrick Kidd, CEO of Invictus Games. What an amazing opportunity as a CEO. He talked about some the, the incredible life that he lived in the defense and, the, and being in the army and military for 30 odd years. He got quite emotional when we spoke about the transformation from there into normal society. Uh, let's hear from Patrick around the experience he had with Invictus Games because it's such an ex exceptional event and experience for so many people that need to get back on track with their life. Yeah. I think we all talk a lot about the power of being active and the power of being physically healthy. Um, but what we don't do is necessarily live it. And we don't necessarily sort of see the the complex relationship that exists between the person who's becoming involved in sport and the support network that plays around it. Uh, I am continuously surprised and blown away by the individual stories of individuals whose lives have been changed through their association with these games, either directly as a result of the games, or because they were a volunteer at the games, or because they were involved in training and preparing for the games. But the, the very act of becoming active again, and the fact that with that, you then bring with you a support network that is seeing the benefits of you becoming active means that the benefits, you know, health, the physical health benefits, the mental health benefits are, absolutely paramount and tangible and you know, the numbers of people that you'll speak to who will describe how these games, that activity has saved their lives is extraordinary. And so it really is about this celebration of people who have chosen not to be defined by the injuries that they have got, the challenges that they face. They've chosen to do something about it, they got active and by being active they then connect with other people. And it's about their spirit. It doesn't matter if they come first, second or third, but it's the fact that they themselves have transformed their lives and only they do it with the support of their networks. And, and that's the real power of these games. And the inspiration of it is to see this thing being played out in front of your eyes. And for those of you who didn't witness the games, either on the television or, or live, you know they are incredible images, incredible stories of people's lives who've been changed in different ways by just getting involved with something that's bigger than themselves. And, and there's a massive lesson in there for us all, I think, in terms of how you can look after your health and your well-being. So good talking to Patrick Kidd around the Invictus Games. And we had a wonderful interview at Pippa's Gallery in Canberra. And our next guest was Dina Altaib. So Dina's from Saudi Arabia. She's had to overcome many obstacles, both on just the cultural aspects there, the way people live and do things. She became the first ever Middle Eastern athlete to complete an Ironman and recently come back from the Hawaii Ironman World Championships. Yeah, just an amazing journey uh, for somebody that had so many obstacles to get to that point. Um, really um, encouraging to hear that. 
as I love challenges, I always look for something more. So I started doing the small ones, and every year I say, okay, what's next? What's what's next? Until I found uh, Ironman, and and it, it inspired me. It, it changed. It, it honestly changed my life because what you go through in that day, in that full twelve hour or thirteen hour, whatever it takes you, um, it all the emotions that you go through all the determination it's at the end you go to the the battle between your mind and your body and if your mind can win your body can do anything and you cross that finish line and you tell yourself if i could do this i could do anything in life and whenever i'm faced with any challenges in life i look at it i'm like okay this is my iron man now so i'm just gonna have to be resilient and i'm just gonna have to keep going and focus on what's important and that's what's going to get you to the finish line. So Dina Altoyev, you know, just a fantastic lady who's done some amazing stuff with the Intaglia Clinics and, and also in the community there. She's just so passionate about her Ironman achievements. So Ben, feeling pretty energized about this year and, and what's coming up. Firstly, I just want to ask you, you know, what were your favorite books that you read in 2018? Look, Craig, it's an interesting one because I'm, I'm a bookworm, so to speak. And probably one of the ones that I really took a lot from was Siri Lindley's uh, book, Biography About Surfacing. Mm. Uh, just about her life and, and how she's gone, obviously being a biography her life, but how she's um, gone about her sporting career and now into her professional career. It was really enlightening and, and I think really um, uh, something that people would really enjoy just getting to know her a little bit more. She speaks so, she's such an aspiring person. I've seen her uh, speak on with Tony Robbins mm. hilarious she got up on stage danced around and was just a joy to watch just such a bundle of energy and I'm I'm sure the athletes that are in that program just have an absolute blast every day yeah yeah absolutely and then you've asked me about a few but um, probably the the other one that I really enjoyed was um, about Cecil Healy now Cecil Healy was a World War One uh, veteran well actually he lost his life in World War One in a specific battle but he is um, Australia's only Olympic gold medalist to lose his life in a battle. Wow. So uh, there was research was done through World War One, obviously, and um, the the book tells the story of the whole journey. As uh, once again, it's you just can't believe the hardship and the journey and and how difficult it was for these young men fighting in World War One for what was the greater good. Craig, I'd like to put on the table here. Um, the question about the books that you enjoyed during 2018. What, what did you really get into and what were the takeouts from those books? So I'll talk about two here. So one was High Performance Habits by Brendan Bouchard. A fantastic book where he talks about setting yourself habits and routines in life and the process behind that. So really, really inspirational. The second one is called Story Showing. And this is by Sam Cawthorn. Sam fell asleep at the wheel driving uh, when he was 26 years old went straight head on into a truck died at the medical table um, was revived lost lost an arm and you know said he wasn't going to walk again the positive aspects that come out of that book and what he's gone on to do now as one of the leading speakers around the world just a, a, just phenomenally inspiring and just got the art of showing a story it's not just telling a story it's showing and so for me i really enjoyed learning around the aspects of how do i show a story when i talk to people how do i use my hands and my eyes and where do you present yourself on a stage and how do you really connect with people through that showing the story and ensuring that people get involved in it 
2019, Ben, it's just around the corner and I'm sure everyone now is uh, just enjoying their Christmas lunch and in a few days time they'll be feeling a bit guilty and a few regrets and they'll be like, man, what am I going to achieve in 2019? Got to make that list of goals right now. I'm going to do it right now. You know, so... Yeah, so for me this year, I've got a few things happening. One, I'm going to go off to the Speakers Institute, and we talked about Sam Cawthorn before. He owns that company, so I've got a a three-day full-on immersion into speaking. I'll be grilled, I'll be challenged, I'll be shown how to tell, not just tell stories, but show stories. So that's one really exciting one. Uh, I'm going to the Business of Sport Summit, where some of the leaders in the sport industry, both uh, from a commercial aspect and also not-for-profit type aspect will come together and we talk about what's happening in the world of sport, how can we move forward in the digital world, um, commercialization, um, building out those events, really engaging with our people. And probably the third one is off to the OSE, so the Australasian Society of Association Executives. And that's you know all the top leaders in the not-for-profit sector across Australia and New Zealand, they come together. And so I'm really looking forward to that because it takes me out of my normal day of work where I'm really heavily involved in sport and then obviously this you know, working with the energy to perform we definitely tend to deal with a lot more people involved in the corporate sector mm. you know what, what have you got on the plans Ben? Well interesting um, so my career has been with sports management sports coaching high performance sport and in 2019 um, I'm going to take on a, a role in a sporting team that's a little bit different and I'm going to manage and lead and direct uh, Porsche Carrera Cup race team wow. uh, with a young driver called Cameron Hill um, and we've got a nine nine rounds through the Australian series that we'll be competing in um, with the specific goal of winning the 2019 national championship so living on the edge living, living on the, the living edge life so in the fast lane some, something very different than uh, my triathlon rugby um, and uh, other work experiences. It's a whole different world out there for mm. you Ben pretty excited now with energy to perform we you know obviously this year we've been developing at the Active CEO podcast. We've been producing an article a week that gives different insights into business and leadership and looking after yourself and developing high-performing teams. So in in 2019, we, we're gonna continue those. We're, we just love it. We, we have so much fun with the podcast and we enjoy just meeting and learning and sharing so many yep. amazing stories. I know we've got a couple coming up, Ben, that are in the law space we've got people in the food and beverage and the hospitality industry we've got um, some incredible adventures including one that is is something that i don't think we'd ever take on it last nine months so i'm not going to share too much more around that one but that's a, a extremely um, enjoyable we've got blockchain technology yep the world's the oyster man. it is it's uh, it's exciting times um we're also developing out at the moment some ideas around putting out some videos working with some of the leaders um, that we work with and giving you some sort of short quick insights into those so look look uh, keep your eyes out for those ones we're also developing at a high performance ceo retreat and camp a leadership camp this is this is going to be a biggie so this may be 2019 late 2019 or early 2020 let's put it on the table it'll be 2019 craig 2019 so we're gonna we'll try and get it established for then it's going to be a big camp we know we're not talking just about your normal leadership camp here we're going to go to a whole new level and we want to talk about how you can lead an active and healthy lifestyle how you can be a high performance ceo and around leading high performing teams and we're going to bring in some 
big guns in the in the industry space around different areas there and we're going to pull together one hell of a great leadership camp that's going to be all around how can you be a high performing ceo mm. so you know for us uh for the team at at energy to perform an active ceo obviously got ben with the co-host and julie who does all the great work and behind the scenes doing the graphics and images for us it, it's it's been a, a great year we've enjoyed working and listening with our listeners um, we love your feedback just re, you know remember to write comments send us emails be part of it be part of it yeah be part of the story right mm. and continue that on and we we really look if you've got some insights or some people that you really would like us to share the story let us know connect us yeah absolutely bring it's, us on board it's it's for you you know you're the listeners you're the ones that want to get the most out of this so yeah we're adaptable we we love what we do and we want to make sure that we continue to inspire you and motivate you and become better leaders and ceos from all the team we wish you a very merry christmas and a, a safe, safe new year safe joyous family if that's what you have and we look forward to seeing you have the uh, seeing you developing the energy to perform in 2019 this is the active ceo podcast where the ordinary don't belong Join the active CEO movement by visiting www.nrgtoperform.com. That's nrg2perform.com. Share this podcast on LinkedIn and be sure to tag in NRG to Perform. Leave a review on iTunes. Drop us a line with your feedback and questions and connect with us on the NRG to Perform Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next Active CEO podcast where the ordinary don't belong.